a production of WordSouth, a content marketing company. Story Connect, the podcast, helping communicators discover ideas to shape their stories and connect with their customers. And good morning. This is Stephen Smith. I'm your host of Story Connect, the podcast today. We are recording live at the Fall Conference 2019 of the Kentucky Telecom Association and the Tennessee Broadband Association. And I'm pleased uh, this morning to be with Sean Arner. Uh, Welcome to the show, Sean. Thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, Sean is with uh, USDA. He's our U.S. Deputy Assistant Administrator of the Loan Origination and Approval Division. Uh, that's a long title, but tell us, uh, kind of boil that down for us, Sean, and what are you responsible for with our U.S.? All right. Well, um, the Loan Origination and Approval Division, what we're responsible for is uh, reviewing and processing the loans and grants that are applied to under our infrastructure loan programs in the uh, telecommunications program of RUS. And we do that by that taking a look at the technical aspects as well as the financial aspects of applications that come into for funding. And then we kind of shelter them through the pro- process and um, uh, to making an award. Um, you shared this morning in your presentation to the group that uh, a little bit of the history of, of RUS as a um, as a division, if you will, of USDA and, and some of the history. And uh, the agency really started with funding uh, electric uh, development in the rural areas. And then kind of walk us through how we got to today. Sure. Well, RUS was originally uh, the Rural Electrification Administration, or REA. It was started in 1935, one of those New Deal agencies by the Roosevelt administration. Um, And the original mission was to provide electric service in in rural areas. And we did that providing loans, low interest rate loans, that were very attractive in order to do that to entities that were interested in providing electric service. Well, that was expanded in 1949 to also fund telecommunication services or telephone service in rural areas. Um, so we've been providing uh, loans, low interest rate loans, once again, in, in rural areas for that purpose. Um, then in 19, uh, 1995, um, we were combined with our uh, – became more of a utility program because we were combined with our water and environmental programs. So we have water and environmental programs, uh, electric programs, as well as telecommunication programs. And in that year, essentially, our mandate was that everything that we financed under the telecommunications program had to be capable of providing broadband service in rural areas. And so we've had expanded offerings from that date, various different loan programs and grant programs in order to do that. And the definition of broadband during this time has changed considerably, hasn't it? It sure has. Back in 1995, we considered broadband service anything that was able to download one megabits per second. Obviously, that isn't even considered broadband today. The definitions have definitely changed under what we can we consider broadband service. Currently, we have a couple programs that have different definitions of what broadband service is for eligibility purposes. Um, 10 megabits per second down and 1 megabits per second up is the minimum threshold that we consider broadband service. Some of our programs consider 25.3, uh, 25 megabits per second down and 3 megabits per second up to be the minimum threshold of what we consider uh, broadband service. And then, of course, if they receive an award, we have different um, uh, build-out requirements as well to kind of future-proof those networks that we are our, um, a financing through our loan and grant programs. Talk to us a little bit about the um, the role of, of RUS, the, the importance of uh, broadband deployment in rural America, 
and the role that RUS plays in, in helping bring that about. Right. So our mission is to finance these types of uh, these broadband facilities. We're not we're not the government agency that's coming out and actually you know providing the broadband service. Our mission is to park do a private-public partnership with entities, basically becoming the financing arm of those entities interested in providing uh, broadband service in rural areas. And there's different qualification criteria for the different kind of um, uh, products that we offer. But essentially, there has to be an entity that's um, that's interested in providing broadband service. And then we have several different products that are available depending on the the, the, the area demographics, the type of uh, the the type of facilities that are being financed that we can offer to those entities. And some are competitive and some are not competitive. Some are more of a just applying for a loan, uh, us reviewing the technical aspects as well as the financial aspects to make a good credit lending decision. Um, we're very interested in getting broadband service um, uh, out in rural America, but we also have a, you know, a duty to the taxpayer to make sure that those funds, that our loans can be paid back um, uh, to, the, um, to the federal government. Absolutely. And uh, we're here today at the um, fall conference, as I said, of the Kentucky Telecom Association, Tennessee Broadband Association. Uh, those two associations made up of cooperatives and independent uh, telecommunications companies, broadband providers, who these are the type of folks that you're talking about forming that public-private partnership and making this happen, correct? Yes, exactly. And we've, uh, you know, We've had a very good relationship with rural telephone companies over the years, rural telephone cooperatives. Those have been our primary um, folks that have, have received loan dollars from us and grant dollars. However, we, we have expanded some of our other programs to allow other entities to apply to our, our different loan and grant programs. So wireless entities, cable TV companies, um, even electric co-op cooperatives have applied in our programs and are able to qualify as long as they're interested in providing broadband service in rural areas. You spoke about several programs uh, this morning, and uh, while we won't dive into all of them, uh, you did speak of, of a few. Would you kind of highlight some of those for us? Sure. Um, and a lot of them do many of the same things. Um, we have our we have our uh, telecom infrastructure program. This is the one that originally was for telephone service. has been around since 1949, and that's why we have a very good relationship with rural telephone companies across the United States. It's a, it's basically a program that find uh, does low interest rate loans to these entities at the, uh, not to get too technical, but at the treasury cost of borrowing. So these these loans end up being about. Um, you know, about it in 4% interest rate, but it's at the time that they draw down the loan uh, advance. Um, we make the, the loan term is generally between uh, 16 to 22 years, depending on the life of the facilities that we are financing under that program. Um, the broadband loan program is a is a, a lo another loan program, but that specific purpose is more broadband related than originally tele telephony related. Um, so this is a program that kind of opened things up to several different entities who are applying under to provide broadband service in rural areas. Once again, um, that that program is uh, very similar to the other program in that it's low interest rate loans to to provide broadband service in rural areas. And then we have um, two grant programs. One is a broadband grant program, very similar to that loan program, but it's providing grants in very, very um, difficult to reach in, in um, unserved areas. And we also have our distance learning and telemedicine grant program, which is a little bit different. It's not a broadband grant program, 
but it's got to utilize broadband facilities in order for it to work. And that program provides distance learning services such as connecting uh, teachers to different um, from one school to another or connecting um, uh, uh, professionals at um, to do at, at clinics, doctors and nurses at from a rural clinic to maybe more of an urban hospital to provide that remote diagnosis and save time. Um, for people that, you know, to travel long distances, they can just go to their own, their, their local clinic in those areas. So very interesting program and distance learning and telemedicine grant program. So you have a lot of programs, but uh, what I'm hearing is the theme running through them all is the fact that you, uh, you have these programs that have a purpose, and that is connecting rural America uh, with broadband. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes, that's a, that is our mission. Um, some of these programs have um, some unique uh, characteristics. One in particular, your Community Connect grants. Um, you shared today that one of the uh, requirements of those is that the recipient uh, provides some sort of community center. Tell us a little bit about that component. Sure, and it's a little bit different from our other programs in that we do, it is a grant program, but one of the requirements of, of the entity that are applying, they have to establish a community center where local residents can access um, uh, a broadband service. And it's really, the, the purpose of that is for folks that don't have, they don't have, um, maybe they don't have a computer or a device that can access the internet. It enables them to have a place that they can go to uh, in order to access, to, to, to get broadband service and access the internet and do what they need to do. Take classes possibly, or um, you know, do whatever they need to do uh, on online that we do every day, most of us. And this doesn't um, this doesn't require the recipient to like go build a million dollar facility. No, exactly. I mean, they usually partner with a, a, a local um, you know a local entity. I've I've seen them done before in local libraries. I've seen them done even in a coffee shop where they establish just a little community center in a coffee shop, even a fire department, sometimes churches. Um, so it's just being able to get space, work with their with their local community, get some space, then establish, you know, uh, putting those access points there that people can then um, go and visit and, and, and utilize. Now, you mentioned um, in this morning's presentation that the distance learning telecom, uh, telemedicine program had a new uh, feature and some new funding yes. coming for... Um, the opioid to, to address the opioid epidemic. Talk to us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, in that program, we've been getting uh, probably for the past ten years about thirty million dollars in in funding available to to make distance learning and telemedicine grant awards. Well, in uh, twenty eight fiscal year twenty eighteen and in fiscal year twenty nineteen, we actually got a special appropriation, a set aside appropriation specifically tied to um, addressing the opioid ed- epidemic that is so prevalent across the country these days, specifically in rural areas. So it's basically a set aside program that allows us to specifically award funds that are addressing that crisis, doing um, doing diagnosis, doing mental health counseling, doing treatment services through the distance learning and telemedicine grant program. Um, last year we made, uh, in, and when I say last year, where our fiscal year uh, in the government here ends in, uh, in 20, uh, September 2019. So um, uh, uh, the awards we made under that program, we made 51 awards to address the uh, opioid crisis for about $15 million. So um, those, those projects, actually, the awards haven't been made uh, announced yet. I expect an announcement to come out very, very, very soon. 
Um, but uh, it is something that we're utilizing to help address the uh, the crisis in America. Hmm. That that's great because that is that is an epidemic that we read about a lot, especially in rural America. Um, that's not the only uh, announcements that should be coming out soon. You, you mentioned a little bit the uh, the reconnect. Uh, fund is something that a lot of people are interested in right now, and you said there were a lot of applications for that money. There certainly is. Um, so the Reconnect Fund is a pilot program, once again, like some of our other programs, to get broadband service out in rural areas. But this time, um, we got $600 million um, uh, appropriated to us by Congress to implement this program. And we, we kind of... Um, uh, offered three different loan, three different products into this program. We offered loan only, or we also also offered loan and grant combos, and then grant only um, awards under this program. Um, we had funding windows open early this year. We had hundreds of applicants apply into these programs. We're currently working our way through the process, and we're nearing the end of that award process. We haven't actually made any award announcements yet, but I fully expect that those award announcements are going to start coming very, very soon, probably towards the end of October, going into November. How did those uh, dollars, dollar amounts uh, uh, stack up in, in, in terms of how much was available versus how much was applied for? We are oversubscribed under those programs. Obviously, when you have a, have a grant program, we did have $200 million set aside for each one of those bu- funding buckets that I talked about. We had the most applications under our, our grant programs, and then a little bit less in the loan-grant combo, and then we had the least amount under our, our just loan-only program. However, um, there still were each one of those buckets were oversubscribed, more than $200 million in applications under each one of those specific funding buckets. Hmm. Well, we'll be looking for the news when, uh, when those announcements are made very soon. You mentioned earlier that, um, well, for lack of a better term, future-proofing uh, some of the, these networks. It's something that you, you look at in terms of the speeds right now. Um, you know, a, a 25 uh, megabit download is something that might be adequate for some households today, but some that's already, you know, really mm-hmm. pushing it, that they, they, they need more speed. Um, talk to us about how, how, your, uh, how your programs can, can fu- future-proof that and, and the options that you have as the loan matures. Sure. Well, I do have to mention that's the minimum requirement that we have right now, that 25.3. So, most of the, the entities that either borrow from us or get uh, grant funds from us, they're actually building capacity much, much, much higher than that, especially when we're talking about a lot of the projects that we finance these days are fiber-to-the-home projects, and it's almost unlimited potential for those fiber-to-the-home projects. But one of the things we're looking at doing from from the standpoint of future-proofing, um, and that's actually mandated by the 2018 Farm Bill that came out, uh, is that we're looking at tying the the broadband build-out requirements of what their capability is to the term of the loan that they receive. So um, it might be, if we, if we give them a shorter-term loan, maybe a five- or ten-year loan, it might be one set of requirements. But if they get a longer-term loan, there's going to be a higher higher threshold of what they have to design and build for. And the reason we're doing that is so that it kind of future-proofs the, kind of future-proofs the uh, network that we are that we are financing so that it doesn't fall behind. We, we finance something, some, things that we maybe financed 10 years ago or really not even considered broadband today. So the, the hope is that if we uh, build in future 
kind of uh, future increasing broadband levels for longer term loans, higher capacity types, then that'll future proof those 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 projects that we are that we are financing and kind of give us the most give us and you know rural America the most bang for the buck uh, for the taxpayer funds. Very good. Um, just from things you, you've said in this interview and, and this morning, uh, you take your role very seriously as a steward of the taxpayer dollars. That yeah, we sure do. Yeah. That's great. Um, in, in closing, I would like to um, to really step back and take a look at at all of these programs and think about and just, and just ask you this: where where would rural America be? It's a very different ball game when you're building out networks in a highly densely populated area. Mm-hmm. Where would rural America be in terms of broadband were it not for USDA's programs and the support through the years? Well, that's an interesting question. I mean, uh, the nature of the kind of the nature of the beast is um, in a in a complete market driven kind of economy. Um, you're going to do most of your investments on where you can get most of your returns. So, um, so the bigger entities uh, in the world, I mean, that's what they're that's what they're looking at. They're gonna they're gonna build out more of their 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 urban areas or more where they're more densely populated because that's where they're gonna make the most money. Uh, in the rural areas, so they have a they kind of have a, a disadvantage in that. A lot of the, um, you know, the in a in a market driven kind of a way, they're not going to be um, getting those in, in, infrastructure improvements. Um, our program is just, uh, uh, you know, kind of a a way to to spur that economic development by, by providing those low interest rate loans and grant funds to kind of spur it in a way that um, you know kind of gives people an incentive to actually build out those areas, give entities an, uh, uh, an incentive to build out in those areas. Now, some of the, the very small, the, the rural local exchange carriers or rural telephone companies in the areas, they've already doing that, and they probably would still still be doing that even if we weren't around to make these low interest rate loans. But I think it helps. I really think what we do helps out in spurring the you know the needed upgrades to to help get that broadband service out in rural areas and that's what we're here for and we have a lot of dedicated folks here at uh you know usda and uh, the rural utility service to to help do that absolutely i think it's a it's definitely a partnership that we've seen work through the years and uh, vital to getting broadband out into these hard to serve areas uh sean thank you for your time today is there anything else you would like to add to the to our topic today no, I think, uh, I think we're pretty good. I really appreciate it once again being able to talk to you all. Absolutely, and thank you for joining us. Uh, our guest today, Sean Arner, he's uh, a Deputy Assistant Administrator with uh, RUS, Division of uh, USDA. And uh, once again, we're coming to you live from the Kentucky Telecom Association and the Tennessee Broadband Association Fall Conference 2019 from Bowling Green, Kentucky. And keep listening to Story Connect. And keep telling your story. You've been listening to Story Connect, the podcast, a production of Word South, a content marketing company.